Dance Masters, the podcast. I'm only listening if you get people chatting music with DJs behind the music. Chatting music with DJs behind the music. You're listening to Dance Masters and tonight's guest is the man behind one of the biggest club and music brands across the globe. With over 150 releases and more than 5 million album sales, plus with some of the most recognisable artwork in the world, Head Candy tracks have been a staple at almost every beach and cocktail bar or pool party for, for nearly two decades. Responsible for signing the massive hits Put em High by Stonebridge and Solo Music's Fade, he then took that success and experience and launched his own successful Fierce Angel brand and continued the journey. Here to tell us more tonight, we welcome Mark Doyle to the show. Thank you very much for having me, James. It's great to be on. Great to have you here, Mark. Really, really good to have you on board. Looking back at the very beginning, can you tell us how the head candy concept come about? It kind of happened really organically that right time, right place. I'd always been a DJ and I ended up in a job marketing music at Jazz FM that was in London and Manchester. And I started with them really just sort of doing their own sort of playlist compilations for smooth jazz and acid jazz and things like that. And gradually, as as we got more successful at releasing those records, we were kind of pushing for more and more trendy compilations than the ones we were doing. And I released uh, an album called New Cool, which was on Jazz FM. And it was very much more acid jazz of Erica Badu and Jamiroquai and things like that. And by the second, it sold very, very well. They weren't necessarily playing that music on the station, but the people that were listening to the station really embraced that compilation. So when we did the second one, I slipped more sort of Jazzy House and Masters at Work, George Benson, and and that sold even better. So the people at Jazz FM came back to me and said, well, look, you know, these albums are actually selling better than the Jazz FM ones, but they're not really Jazz FM music. Could we possibly come up with a new label or a new brand or something that we could do these albums on and still do all the Jazz FM stuff? And I kind of sat there and I always had this idea in my head, the things that bothered me about um, at the time, you've got to bear in mind that this is before the internet and before downloads. This is when you wanted, you know, your records. You either had the choice of buying a compilation that that was mixed by, you know, like a Judge Jules or someone like that, and it was 40 tracks on a CD, two and a half minutes of each track, you know, and it was very much, you know, club mixes and things like that. But if you wanted the full 12-inch versions, no one was doing that. You had to go to an HMV or a specialist record shop and buy those, buy the actual vinyl records themselves. And, you know, that's seven, eight quid a time for a, for a vinyl. So I thought there must be an audience out there that really enjoyed this music, but maybe would just want it all on a CD, all collected together, unmixed, full 12-inch versions. And maybe we can make it a bit collectible by putting some really nice artwork on the front, really nice packaging, and make it kind of a premium product. And that's kind of what we did. You know, the name Head Candy, the idea was that if it sounded good, it was ear candy. If it looked good, it was eye candy. And where are most of those senses located? They're in your head. So let's spell it a bit differently so it looks interesting. The artwork for Head Candy became absolutely iconic. How did that come about? We used to go to a, a club in London, and this guy at the time was a student of Brighton, and he used to do the flyers, and they were very sort of rough fashion illustrations. And I managed to find the guy, got in contact with him, and I said, do you want to do a CD cover? And and that's where it started. So Jason Brooks was doing the artwork. We had this strange name that I'd come up with. and And the simple idea was, let's just make – 
not one style of music. Let's just make, you know, if you're going out to a club, what do you want to listen before you go? When you get back, do you want some chill out or something like that? Um, you know, so let's just make all different CDs that fit within this ideal lifestyle of head candy. And that's where we started. And it just went crazy right from the start, more abroad than anywhere else. And we launched the head candy label and we did the first CDs were new call, serve chilled and disco candy. And, and they just, they went crazy on export sales. You know, and again, you've got to bear in mind, no internet, no downloads, no, you know, people didn't have access to the music that we have now. So these CDs, you know, were just, you know, it's like 24 or 22 full 12-inch mixes unmixed. You know, it's like nearly 300 quid's worth of music. So they were a bargain. And um, they sold really well abroad. Then HMV sort of jumped on the back of it when we had about four or five releases and started racking them all out together. And that's when it really took off in the UK because if you walked into an HMV, you know, you would see all these different color covers and they all looked the same. They all fitted together, but they were all, you know, individual and unique. And it just went crazy. Well, it's like everything else, wasn't it? Once you've seen one and you've got one, you want to have the whole collection like garbage power kids. (laughs) (laughs) Do you know, actually, side note, they're bringing that back. Are they really? Yeah, HBO are doing a new series of Garbage Pal Kids. Wow. I'm pretty sure I've still got some of my cards from when I was a kid. (laughs) (laughs) Just moving forward a bit, you then went forth and developed your own brand, Fierce Angel. Was it a tough decision to walk away and do that? Yeah, I mean, it was and it wasn't. We kind of worked on Head Candy for seven years, and there were a lot of changes that happened during that. When we started doing it, Jazz FM was an independent radio station. They didn't understand a thing that I was doing. And as I gradually added more staff, they didn't understand what was going on in the office either. It was like the lunatics running the asylum. You know, we were having a great time, but we were running it the way we wanted to run it. And, you know, people would knock off early on a Friday because we had gigs. They wouldn't come in on a Monday because we were all ruined from the weekend. But we got our work done and we got it done really well. And we made them loads of money. We actually put Jazz FM into profit as a radio station just from Head Candy. But what happened was that uh, Jazz FM got bought by another company that were looking to get a London radio license. And again, you know, at that time, no internet. So everything was FM. Everything was about getting radio licenses. And a very big company wanted an FM license. And you just couldn't get one in London. So they bought Jazz FM. When that happened, they kind of bought us as well. We came as part of the package. You know, they weren't interested in Head Candy. They just wanted a radio license. And instantly they came in and went, we don't understand what's going on here. We don't really like the way that it's being run, but we understand it's making loads of money. So they went to a big record label and hired someone and put him in above me to manage me. And it became then about money and what staff we could keep and what staff we couldn't keep because this guy didn't like certain people and he wanted to launch his own record label of R&B and proceeded to lose two million quid trying to launch various R&B artists. And Head Candy was supposed to make up the difference. So I spent more time in boardrooms and arguing about people's jobs and arguing about why we shouldn't move to a bigger club that would pay us more money, why we shouldn't release another five CDs a year, you know, because it was a premium brand and it had to be kind of kept special, if you like. And it was kind of like we were always marketing it as, as you know, like a sports car. It's got to be Ferrari as opposed to Skoda. 
you know, and even though you can sell more Skodas, you know, people want a Ferrari and will always want a Ferrari and they aspire to it. I was just getting, you know, it was just this fantastic job that I loved that was becoming more and more about the business and it was about the creativity. So I kind of did a Jerry Maguire. And, oh, you know, and also at that point, you're very, very successful and you think you can do anything. You know, ah, that's it, I'm leaving and taking everyone with me. Who's coming? And we kind of did that. And um, and it did lead to a lot of problems because as soon as I left, this guy basically decided to sue us for uh, trying to launch a new label. And, and uh, it was horrific. And I won't go into it. But off the back of that, you know, I wanted to be doing my own thing. I wanted to get back to the core of what we were doing. Fierce Angel was never as successful as Heck, and it never made that much money. It always paid the mortgage, um, and it allowed me to go out and DJ. It allowed me to do what I wanted when I wanted creatively. And that was more important to me. I mean, it was, you know, there was a big decision there where it was like, do you take the money and stay there and be miserable? Yeah. Or do you, you know, do you take the chance and go and do something? Having arguments with people about why this record should be on, you know, why you should release when you've just had massive success with Stonebridge, top three in the charts, and you sign a new artist and you sit in a meeting with the guy that has been hired above you and you give him an album that you truly believe in the next album that you're you know that you've worked on and he just goes no i don't want to release it because i don't like the way she sings and you're like okay then right where do we go from here so um you know that was the thing and, and fierce angel really just allowed us to to do what we wanted to do and of course what happened at, at head candy was that you know at that point then they'd lost half their staff this guy had run up loads of debts um, on his own projects and stuff. And Ministry then swooped in and went, oh, well, you don't really want that. Why don't you let us run it? And they bought it from Jazz FM and then continued to run run Head Candy and run it very commercially successfully. Mm. Um, so it was great. It means that they kind of, they took Head Candy far more commercial and they left a gap for us to be that smaller, cooler little thing, um, you know, that still could exist in the market. Well, I was going to say with you on board, there was obviously going to be some similarities with Head Candy. But what would you say are the key differences uh, with Fierce Angel? The problem is that when you're running something and you you pretty much have your finger in pretty much everything to do with that entire process that I did at Head Candy, the next thing that you I was never going to reinvent the wheel. I was just putting the records. The bottom line was it was artwork that I loved. It was events that had an element of show rather than superstar DJs. Um, and and it was done as like a family thing where everyone felt included and inclusive and all, you know, all of those things that are now, you know, incredibly relevant to the world. But we, we were just doing it, you know, that was it. It was like if you were part of the Head Candy family or you're part of the Fierce Angel family sort of thing. Now, if the people that were that ended up with Head Candy, if they had to carry on doing that, then – there wouldn't have been an awful lot of difference between the two because you kind of just do what you do. You know, it's it's difficult. I wasn't going to go off and launch a tech house label because it doesn't interest me. It's not, you know, it's not what I do. It's, you know, big vocals, big hooks, or chilled out beach music. So we had all those sort of same elements, 
what ministry did was take it much more commercial. So they were including much bigger commercial records, whereas we were probably finding the smaller, lesser known records. And we didn't have to... Problem as you get more and more commercial is that you spend more and more money on your content. You spend more and more money on your marketing. The margins get lower. So you have to sell more of what you're doing. If you're a very small two-person company, including very obscure records, you can sell one-tenth, basically, what you're doing and still make money at it or still be successful. So it allows you a lot more freedom. So you don't have to include the number one record and put it at the start of the CD, and you don't have to put 40 tracks on. You can put 22 on. So Fierce Angel, it really was the same philosophy as Head Candy because that is my philosophy on music events and everything else. Um, and, And Head Candy just got more mass market, and we carried on in that same niche that we were probably in when we first launched Head Candy. So it's the early Head Candy ethos, whereas Ministry have took it away. I understand. Absolutely. Well, you've just touched on my next question with something you just mentioned. Um, With many events and clubs nowadays focusing on their headline guests to advertise and sell tickets, you're one of the few promoters that still invest in the resident DJs, which I've got to say, I strongly admire. Um, (laughs) What's your selection process to screen and bring them on board to represent the brand? Well, what we used to do in the early days was um, we'd used to take them to Ibiza, and if they were still alive at the end of the season, they'd get a job. Um, <laughs> I like that a lot. It was like we start with 20, we'd end up with two. You know, <laughs> we'd leave them crying in the road um, at, at six o'clock in the morning. They can't handle um, these six and seven no, hours games anymore, can they? Anyone can play, you know, and especially now you can get your eight eight CDs and go, look, I play head candy music or, you know, Fierce Angel or whatever. Yeah. You know, our, our great residents, you know, um, Andy Norman that was there at the start of head candy. He was a guy that I used to do club nights with in 1989. Um, John Jones was Andy Norman's friend. He used to drive Norman to the gigs and he hung around so much that we let him play once and he was great. And, and that's where he came from. Hattie Lovehearts turned up at SVV in Ibiza and helped us put banners up. You know, when we got talking to her and, and she just fitted, you know, and everyone kind of fitted with the family. Ultimately, as you're doing more and more parties, what you want when you've got a brand or when you've got, you know, this thing that, you know, you think is the sum of its parts is you need each person to go and be an ambassador for that brand. And you can't be with them all the time. So you've got to send someone away. Sometimes, you know, far flung shores. The other good thing about having residents was if we had really dangerous gigs. So we got booked in places like Colombia and and South America. So I would send those DJs first. And if they came back alive, then I would go. (laughs) They're like cannon fodder. The first ones, first ones over, over the trenches, um, world war one, but you know, they would go out and represent the brand. They would, deliver obviously not as good as i could but they would deliver that 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 pure sort of head candy feeling now some guests are great some guests fit right in with what you're doing but what doesn't work for me on stage or you know when you're in a club is that person you know comes on five minutes before plays half the records the person's played him you know just before that you know thinks they're more important no one was ever more important than the brand even me any of our performers anyone first and foremost it was about head candy or a fierce angel party and that's what people are coming to see and i always wanted it to be that rather than oh i'm coming to see 
X person. Yeah. Because invariably that that person will go and work somewhere else and can you know Canon should go and work somewhere else. Glitterbox have got it right now because they've got you know so many gigs that they can say to the shapeshifters or whatever, and they've also got their own management company, they can say to the shapeshifters, well, you know, you're going to have this many gigs from us, so we would prefer that we booked your other gig and we could control where you turned up so you're not down the road three days later. Yeah. Um, which, in area, you know, and it's that area of exclusivity. Now, I kind of did that with residents as opposed to superstar DJs, and it keeps your costs down as well, which is a great thing too. Um so, you know, that was it. It was, it was very much about support, you know, better to get talent and bring them in within the family and build them up than to hire someone in for, you know, for one job and then say goodbye to them. I absolutely totally agree. And the other thing as well, I mean, it's it, a slight aside with this, turning up and performing as a guest for a 60 minute or a 90 minute, it got to the point where I was bored of that. I used to love doing a six or seven hour set where I can play down tempo early doors and something slightly obscure. I could then do a nice warm up set to get the vibe going before going in full pelt. And there wasn't really that many gigs where I could actually go and do that. So you end up putting on your own shows. And to a degree, that's kind of what you've done with developing this brand. In the early days, no one else would have me DJing. So it kind of became important for me to set up somewhere where i could give myself work um yeah but yeah i mean i kind of you know what you're saying about you know a set you know if you if you're booking someone in you know i want a two-hour set from someone i'm getting booked last or not last year <laughs> i wish it was last year <laughs> 2019 i was getting booked for 45 minute sets right i'm not entirely sure what's happened to the world but now extended versions of records are three minutes 25. Yeah. <laughs> Which probably goes with the fact that you only get 45 minutes for your DJ set. Well, this goes back to what we were talking about, uh, partly extension span, but also commercial radio now, screen records that they're all playing at under three minutes. So everyone's making their records a lot shorter. It's, the world's gone mad. I know. And that's, again, it's interesting to see the cycle because that was very much happening with, with CDs and music and things like that when we launched Head Candy. And it was like, you will never see the full 12 minute version of to be in love anywhere you know and we're like we're putting on the compilation yeah. was like well yeah but you could put three records on then there would be three big names on there i'm like i don't care 12 minutes yeah. that record start to finish yeah. it's going on you're right it, it's 12 minutes of, of absolute of beauty perfection and it and it's wasted when you just hear like a little three minute edit isn't it? it's like i want more of that please i yeah. love the build it gives you that anticipation it, it gives the record chance to breathe exactly exactly good <laughs> i think i think we're singing from the same hymn sheet here um, <laughs> you're now back involved with head candy at some level aren't you you know a lot of stuff has happened you know ministry have kept that brand going for nearly 14 years you know on top of what we started with um and they've done very very well with it and obviously made it very very commercial and you know they the music side the club had sold off to Sony. Um, so Sony got the Ministry of Sound and artists like London Grammar and things like that. And they also got Head Candy. And they weren't doing very much with Head Candy as a label. And Ministry were just running it internally and then kind of, you know, were, were um, sort of scaling back on what they were doing themselves and farming off various bits of their business to agencies and places. And uh, they had an agency running Head Candy. And... Really, because Head Candy is the sum of its parts, it, it's always needed the music, it's needed the radio, it's needed the events, it's needed all those things to make it all work together. I think gradually it was just getting a bit, 
it was getting a bit smaller and not as as loved as it could have been. And the agency that ended up working on it um, did the 20th anniversary tour and did it exceptionally well. There was uh, some amazing events, but they called me in to curate it. They went, who can we choose that would know what people were dancing to 20 years ago and what sort of crowd and what sort of DJs would they like to see? So I came in and sort of consulted with them and we put together these parties and I went out on the road with it. And I sort of said, look, if you want to continue doing this, this is what the brand needs. It needs a lot more love. It needs a lot more attention. Ministry were very much, we are focusing on our nightclub and we are focusing on areas that that we particularly want to do. And we've given Ted Caddy to this agency. So really to talk about what they want to do with it. And I spoke with them and they were kind of like, well, do you know what? It's a lot of work. <laughs> it's a lot of work for not a huge return. And I think people look at Head County as saying that's been there for 20 years and will just instantly, you know, make people money. Things get tired and we all get older as well. We don't go out as much. Mm. So you've either got to restructure Head County to be this new trendy dance label and for that you need the music as well you know so you've got to get sony on board and you've got to get the agency on board then you've got to remake head candy while there's lots of other people that are doing it as well and my idea was look let's just take it back to what it used to be let's make it a heritage brand let's make it vip events at festivals and let's make it smaller events and you know yeah we can do the occasional big one or whatever but let's target it at the original crowd and everyone kind of felt that was all going to be too much hard work and they weren't interested in doing it so i then went to ministry and said okay well no one seems to be interested in doing what this what this might need to do, why don't you give it to me? I'll take it under a license. And so we have an exclusive agreement with Ministry of Sound. They still own it and we can do all the events. Coming off the back of the 20th anniversary, I had close to 40 events booked in, season in Ibiza. Uh, we were going on tour in Australia and, and it was all coming together. And we did our first gig in Doha in february and i came home and never left the house again (laughs) so it was like here you go have back your baby and go and make it work and oh look it all looks exciting and then covid we're kind of just restarting that idea now as we speak wow well with that in mind um here's one for you you might have thought of it you might not but if you haven't you can take this one from me. Uh, with so many classical events doing the circuit now, Gatecrasher, Cream, Ministry, have you been tempted to jump on board and do a candy classical? Yes, but it has to be done properly, and we are in talks <laughs> to do it. What I wanted to do was get us back in the market and get our name out there before just sort of doing it or rushing into it. And, and we are looking at something, and it's more of a almost like a live show with a classical side to it but it's much more based on the music of head candy and the visuals so it'd be like a whole thing with with the original artists and it's probably a year away i absolutely love it mark i really do i can't wait to hear more about that so you'll have to keep us posted on a personal level do you have a favorite dj of all time besides myself i look in the mirror regularly and go you are fantastic <laughs> don't we all <laughs> yeah, i've heard that james blonde is quite good but i've never worked with him so i couldn't say and never oh, lend him any money <laughs> never lend him any money i would have to say 
Joey Negro's definitely up there. Although he's not called that anymore, is he? He's no. called Dave Lee. Yes. Yeah. Um, so Dave Lee would be one. Do you know what? It's not just because of the music. It's the entire experience. Yeah. You know, I've, I've spent time with uh, Dimitri from Paris. Yeah. You know, I, I did a gig with both of them, um, and, and they were just so cool. They were the nicest guys in the world as well. I'll tell you, it was another really, really nice guy, Tiesto. He used to come to our head candy gigs in Amsterdam before he was massive around the world. That's a lovely bloke. Two that are lesser known. I mean, one that is a, for us, DJ. DJ Meme, who is unbelievable. And another guy, Ladies on Mars. Um, yes, guy. yes, Ladies on Mars. And their remixes are insane. Well, Jonathan Braverman, who is Ladies on Mars, they're in Brazil, uh, Argentina. They're in Argentina. He is, I, I just literally sat and watched him. And, like, and I was like, this is, and every record was brilliant. And you're just like, this is the sort of live stream I can watch as opposed to me in my pants in my living room with, <laughs> with one of those like 499 disco lights from Wish. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. Uh, we've got we've got a little fan favourite feature on the show. It's called What's in Your Box. It's where we take a deep dive into musically what makes our guests tick. Is there a signature record or a go-to tune that defines your sound? Fade solo music, but the Eric Kuppa remix. Yeah, very nice. Very nice indeed. And do you have an all-time favourite tune? Promise Land, Joe Smooth. <laughs> Oh, nice. It's timeless. It's a classic. You're never going to make it any better than it is. Um, leave it alone. Um, do you remember a very young Mark when he's got his first lot of pocket money in his hand, he's counting the change, he's walking down to, to Woolworths or whatever, and he goes out and buys his first record? What was it? Do you know what's really scary is that's exactly what I used to do. <laughs> I bought my seven inches in Woolworths. Um, <laughs> There were two, actually, that I can remember. And do you know what the really weird thing is? Parents that do this and they then get it out like many years later. I had a baby book, and the baby book is like your first five years of your life. Yeah. And it's got all your bits in it. You know, It's got wristband from the hospital and all that. And they basically, it's like a little diary of what you did yeah. and whatever. Four years old, my mum writes in it, keeps stealing our records and has demanded his own record player. And really? you're like, well, that's where it started. <laughs> um, but, yeah, my fir first two records that I did, Pocket Money, my dad took me down to Woolworths in Greenford in West London, uh, was Remember You're a Womble and the theme tune from Black Beauty. Really? Uh, which, yeah, which had the London Symphonic Orchestra. Still got it. And on the B-side is a track called Galloping Home. There you go. I was on London Records as well. Wow. wow. Oh, no. Look at that. But yeah, I'm, I'm not sure. Yeah, but I'm not sure if that's really, really impressive or quite tragic. I was like six, <laughs> so you know, come on. I was watching Black Beauty at home, and I was like, I need the theme tune for that. <laughs> da, da, da. Yeah, that's classic. And remember, you're a womble. I mean, you know, come on. Well, I'm thinking maybe like Top Gear, we should have a leaderboard and put on there where everyone Most comes. Embarrassing yeah, records. Yeah, yeah. Well, speaking of that, do you have a secret guilty pleasure track? Pina Colada song. Right, okay, that's fine. We'll leave that one there. <laughs> I don't know. Listen, I'll tell you what, there is a whole thing, and I'll tell you, it's going to be big, because even Midnight Riot have done their own one. Yacht Rock is a thing, and uh, it's going to be the new chill-out. Yeah, oh, Yacht Rock, Pina Colada song, Bit of Sailing by Christopher Cross. We're trying, to be, all... <laughs> we're trying to be cool and credible here, but you heard it here there's, first. <laughs> no, I'll tell you what, uh, go and look up DJ Conejo. Right, C-O-N-E-J-O, -E DJ Conejo, 
Uh, you'll find him on the Head Candy YouTube channel. He's done a couple of uh, YouTube videos where he's done some mixes. It's, it's a giant rabbit playing Yacht Rock. Really? Yeah. Okay, I thought you were having me in the net there. <laughs> I am not at all. No, I'm not at all. I'll even send you a link. You can put it up. Please do. Definitely send me a link and we'll. I'll have a look. And I'll even share it and tag you in it. <laughs> <laughs> so from your secret guilty pleasure, do you have a, a treasured piece of vinyl that you'll take with you to your grave? The original chest pressing for Put em High, you know, purely from, you know, what happened with that track and yeah. how they get the game. Massive. My box New Reconsole set. I think it's the six individual vinyls um, in a really nice sort of cigar box type thing that they did. Um, Ooh, that's that. amazing. Luckily, I've still got all my vinyl. We we managed to move out of London, and I got a really big garage in the house, and there are no cars in it. It's full of records. My mum and dad's is full of records, and my loft is full of records. There's just vinyl everywhere here. I can't get rid of it. I'm a bit yeah, of a yeah. boarder anyway, but I love my vinyl. <laughs> I love hoarding. <laughs> I, I think most DJs aren't actually DJs. Oh, they're terrible. just hoarders. I have drawers of crap. Oh, it's fantastic. But anyway. Are there any new tunes in your box we should be watching out for? I Feel Little Pills, which is a Donna Summer bootleg, um, which uses the Donna Summer disco thing with somebody else's record. That I can, for the life of me, escapes me. But it's I know the one you mean. Um, I feel the pills, the thrills, the thrills. The, That's it. It's a yeah. brilliant nagging record that I've been on my turntable for the uh, last few weeks, especially. And, um, you know, tentatively sit there and go, I really want to drop this on the show. So, you know what? I think I'm just going to play it. Just, let's just I roll think it. you should. I think so. Now you've mentioned it, Mark. That gives me more of an excuse to go with it. <laughs> but there's loads. Oh, there's a brilliant album coming out from Miguel Miggs as well on Defected. Briefly now, before we start wrapping up, uh, with the world opening up again, are there any gigs that you're most looking forward to? Any of them. Just just, one. <laughs> just, just let me play records. As long as I'm not um, playing to the wife and six cats, just give me an audience. Records. I've been playing to the village. We have a, had equipment out on the village green <laughs> doing live streams from there. And all the villagers walk past. You know, we live in a very rural area. And they're like, what the hell is going on? Um, I think as we get into this, everyone's going to rush out and do big club nights and stuff. We kind of want to do a few little special things. Yeah. Um, and then we're planning some quite big things. We, we're looking at sort of big events in Newcastle and Sunderland. But we've kind of got a bit of an idea to change things up. Head over to the Facebook page on Head Candy. All the events are listed there. You heard it here first. Then, so check out facebook.co.uk forward slash Head Candy. I'm guessing would be the uh, the URL for that. I believe that book. is correct, James. Well, well done. Check me out, uh, Mark. Thank you very much for joining us here on Dance Masters. It's been an absolute pleasure, my friend. Thank you very much for having me, James. And uh, I hope to see you out on the dance floor shortly. Whoop, whoop. We'll be very very soon, my friend. <laughs> Brilliant. So if you've liked what you've heard and you fancy adding some tunes into the mix, check out the full two-hour show with an exclusive mix from tonight's guest at unionjackdance.co.uk. Thanks for listening. Join us back here next Friday on Dance Masters and don't forget to hit the link to subscribe. Dance Masters, the podcast. I'm only listening if you get people chatting music with DJs behind the music. Chatting music with DJs behind the music. <laughs>